3: to The Other 99, a podcast to equip the church for community, discipleship, and mission. Uh, we're your hosts. My name is Guy Wimberly. I'm Bethany McFarland. And I'm David Godbold. Welcome back to another episode of The Other 99. This week, we, we are interviewing um, Josh Tepper, who is uh, a pastor out in the Atlanta area, um, we're going to be talking with him about his experiences with cross-cultural ministry. But but before we do that, we're going to start all, our episode off just like we do all of our episodes with an icebreaker, and, and Bethany has that for us.
0: Well, I kind of do. I'm really just introducing it, which you basically did just now, which is perfect. Um, <laughs> so Josh apparently really likes questions <laughs> about zombie apocalypse. So. That's true. I'm really going to pass the reins over to him.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. OK, so here's the question. Um, it's a zombie apocalypse right now, and the closest people you love just turned into a zombie. What weapon are you grabbing to defend yourself?:
0: <laughs> Okay, what weapon are you grabbing? To <laughs> defend yourself, or what weapon are you grabbing to kill them dead?:
1: Well, that is, aren't those two things mutually exclusive in the zombie apocalypse?
0: I don't know.
2: I believe they would be mutually inclusive.
1: <laughs> you tell me, what weapon are you grabbing to defend yourself?
3: Okay, I've got one. Um, so I'm uh, I'm in this weird transition phase where, where I'm about to move, and my mom is about to move too, and we're both downgrading, so we've got to get rid of a lot of stuff. And I'm looking up at a... Uh, at a Buddha lamp that I got when I was like, fifteen, <laughs> and that sounds like feel like I did kill two birds with one stone. I can I can defend myself with it, and I can <laughs> get rid get of rid some of, of your it. stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. I think
1: that that's that's very resourceful. I'm, I'm impressed. Mm-hmm.
2: Much I'm more impressed. resourceful for the me. Um, well, well, I, my first thought was um to get a boomerang. Oh, because I could. I could I could lace the edges with with knives and sharp objects, and it would also come back to me.
1: But how, how would you but, catch it if it was laced to with, lacerate
2: your yeah hands. with
1: if it had sharp objects? How would you catch it? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> very very skillfully <laughs> okay, all right all right
2: i didn't think that that far through to it so so it wouldn't it would come back towards me not completely to me so i would pick it up off the ground and be able to throw it again okay okay, um, okay. okay. but but in all honesty when i was a kid i had like a legit boomerang and i succeeded more in getting it stuck on roofs than using it with any sort of skill so if i did go with a boomerang i'd probably be the very next zombie um so more than likely i'm gonna go with the stereotypical answer of shotgun
0: okay okay
1: fair fair.
0: yeah i'm a little too analytical for this question Um, you can't think about this you just need to
1: act you need to react
0: But are the zombies (laughs) attracted by noise? Like if they hear a loud noise, are they going to go explore it? Because if if that's the case, I don't want to use a gun. But otherwise, a gun would be my obvious choice because if I'm killing my loved one who's (laughs) already dead, like I just want it to be done. I yeah, they're un. I don't want to have to think too much about it, and a gun seems like the easiest way to do that. But I also don't want to like put myself between a rock and a hard place. Gun with a silencer. There wow.
2: we go. Wow. That's my answer. Okay, that's or a knife to. on a really long stick.
0: No, <laughs> that's too bloody.
1: Yeah.
0: I'd just rather not. Yeah. If gun were not an option, I'd, I guess I'd go with ice pick, which is still bloody, but...
2: It, it occurs to me that knife on a really long stick is a spear. So... <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. This is what we get for recording at night.
1: Yep. You know it. it you know what I'm going to yeah, go with. It. It's it's a gorgeous Georgia night here, so I'm recording out in my uh, patio for our listeners. And yes, um, we're
2: getting serenaded by crickets. It's fantastic. Yes,
1: yes, it's it's beautiful here in Georgia, and and I'm looking at my my shed where my garden supplies are uh, are in, and I'm thinking I'm I've got either a hoe back there for gardening or Ooh, an axe yes, for yes. cutting up wood. So I think I'm going to go with one of those two things, and hopefully that's enough to you know, get me past the initial wave of people in my general surroundings so that I can escape uh, to the countryside, potentially somewhere with lots of guns and water. Indeed, indeed. And water, so that's what I'm going to go with.
2: Water is an undervalued resource in, yeah. in these type scenarios. I it guess.
1: is. As my good friend Chad Brooks would say, that in the zombie apocalypse, the two most valuable assets are shotgun shells and water. Yeah, it is. It's good thoughts.
2: True. Um... Well, anyways, so as you have noticed, there is a, another voice on the podcast tonight. Um, Josh Tepper, the zombie killer extraordinaire, is with us tonight. Um,
1: Josh. it's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me.
2: Well, you know, I, I aim <laughs> to, to please our guests. Um, That's great. So, Josh, why don't you we know you're in Georgia because you're talking about the Georgia Knights, but uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Okay, cool. Um well, my name' is Josh Tepper, and I live in the great city of Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I am Ooh. a pastor and uh, the overseer of adult discipleship at Mount Bethel United Methodist Church in Marietta, Georgia. As well as I, uh, for our listeners that understand a little bit more of, like, uh, the way churches work. This is going to be a little confusing, but it's not. But I I work at a Methodist church, but I'm actually an ordained Anglican priest. And so I'm part of the Anglican church in North America. And a little bit about me. I enjoy uh, vintage pickup trucks. I have 14 fish. And um, I really uh, enjoy... uh serving god and living 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 the good life in downtown atlanta
2: awesome are you one of the uh, anglicans that likes to remind the methodists that wesley was an anglican until he died
1: yeah i like to i like i normally like to remind people of that often um but, you know not in a superior way or anything just come home just come home methodists i tease i tease
3: yeah, so we brought you on. We were all big fans of the threshing and floor, and, and and real sad to, to kind of see things change with all that. Oh, but, you guys but, are too kind. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. But um, so in in a lot of the episodes, um, you would kind of come in and, and talk about uh, your. Your experience with uh, countercultural, uh, not countercultural, cross-cultural ministry, um, yeah. and and trips with the Middle East, and and even even in kind of your context right now there in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so we just wanted to give you kind of uh, a space to to talk about those things. And so first off, uh, what what are some of your experiences with with missions, um, particularly pr- pertaining to missions where uh, multiple cultures kind of collide and intersect? You know,
1: it, that's a really great question. So it, it, it it's the Lord's self fit to kind of like give me a heart for being, for first off, for being around people that aren't like me. And I, I really think that it, it, it's it's a theological thing, at, first off, and, 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 and in a largest sense. You know, like um, one of my favorite chapters is, I think it's Revelation 7, where it talks about how there's going to be multitudes of nations and tribes and tongues before the throne of God at the end of the age. And I think that's a glimpse of, of what eternity and what the eschaton is going to look like and so I have, I have a fundamental belief that god is deeply invested in in having us be deeply invested in those that are not like us um now there's absolutely comfort in being around people that are like you you know i mean uh, there's comfort in being around people that think similar thoughts that you know act in similar ways and and induce s- and have similar interests and certainly i have people in my life like that um Sociologist by the name of Donald McGavern, and if you guys have studied uh, church growth, he, use, he talks about this thing called the homogeneous unit principle. And what that means is that like people are around like people. But I don't think that the gospel calls us to stop there. I think the gospel calls us to, tra- to cross and transcend boundaries to which we find ourselves in to be in relationship with people that are unlike us. And, and I think that's, not only is that based in, like, Revelation 7, but that's also based in the actual nature of the Trinity. So, like, uh, the Trinity is, you know, we believe it's three persons in, in it's three persons but one substance, you know, as, uh, I think it was, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Tertullian, who said it was tres personae uno substantia, three persons, one substance. So that, what that, it basically, believe, what that we believe about the Trinity is that it is, in essence, a relationship of like-minded yet different entities, and it's and you can't push the analogy too far otherwise you'll go into heresy but it really it, it's this interconnectivity of unique partnerships between three people and not three people three entities that is God yet they're one spirit in unity and so and in the essence of the scripture is this idea that we are called to be in relationship with people not like us and so for me that has kind of taken place on multiple different levels um, it's it's taken place cross culturally, and, and by cross cultural I mean like not United States, but it's also taken place like in, in the United States. So, so like it, in regards to like foreign mission, I've spent a, a, a good amount of time working in the Middle East and have a, and a, have a deep love and many multiple relationships with Middle Eastern Muslims, particularly. And that's, that's caused me to spend uh, a season of my life living in Amman, Jordan. It's caused me to spend good amounts of time in Palestine, in Israel, um, in Egypt. Uh, this past January, I was in Turkey and got to meet and got to know several uh, amazing Turkish folks. And, and ironically enough, uh, I just booked a ticket today to spend um, uh, nine days this November in Lebanon. And I'm going to get to spend some time with um, some folks that are doing church planting there. As well as just getting to understand and know the culture, and I think for what for me what that has brought about is this 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 love for 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 learning about people that do things differently, and and I think that every time we see a different culture or a different people group, I believe in 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 a, in a, in some senses we catch a glimpse of who God is, because like there's there's this theology sometimes that's promoted in the church and i think wrongly so that that basically says that like culture is corrupt and i actually don't think that's correct i think god created us in culture god created us in community and in unique expressions of doing life with each other and that is very much a representation of the triune god again it's a it's it's a glimpse into who God is in his diversity while simultaneously in his unity. And so getting time getting t- to spend time with people that think differently, that act differently and and, and if you know me that eat differently. I love different food. <laughs> that might be one of the main reasons I love being around people that are unlike me because I love uh I love uh different food. <laughs> Um, but it really does just give you a glimpse of the kingdom, and and, and now and, and on a and on a, a state side where I'm not you know going over to the Middle East, um, what that looks like for me is Atlanta is one of the most diverse cities in the United States of America, and I adore this city. Like I am so grateful the Lord saw fit to bring me here. A- a- Atlanta is the largest per pop- uh, per population. City uh, for African Americans in the United States of America. It's about sixty percent African American, and so every day of my life, I get a chance to engage with and to get to know and get to experience, uh, particularly in the African American culture, and in my neighborhood, get to really experience um, African American subculture, because my neighborhood is uh, it's a minority African American community on the south side of Atlanta, and um, it's changing a little bit. But for the longest time, and I've lived here almost five years, I was. I was the only white dude on the street. So I really got to experience um, a lot of diversity, got to meet new people, got to think about life in different ways. Um, And so that's just a little bit about me. And it's a little bit about the way I engage culture and and why I do. So it is theologically founded, but it's also a a unique curiosity um, about other people and things and ways of doing life. Um, It's just really important and fundamental to who I am. And, And I honestly believe, I don't believe that's just my nature. I believe maybe my nature enhances that, like my character and who God's wired me to be. But I also believe that God wants each and every one of us to be curious, particularly about our neighbor, particularly about those people that are in our sphere of life. And if you live in the United States of America, I promise that's going to include people that are ethnically different than you. I promise you're going to engage Muslims, you're going to engage Hindus, you're going to engage um, people from Asia, Southeast Asia, from, from Europe, from all over the world, from Central South America. And God has, I believe, called us to build common bridges of relationship with those people. And that requires getting to know them.
3: Yeah, I think we're going to talk about this a little later on in, in the episode, but, but in the interview, but we had... We had a pastor who talked about, um, just as a parallel, we had a pastor who talked about um, the spiritual gift of hospitality, and he said, you know, hospitality is uh, uh, listed as a spiritual gift, but that does not mean that people without the spiritual gift of hospitality just get... um, um, what's the a word free I'm pass. trying to find, use? Um, like a hall pass? Yeah, 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 a free pass, not to be hospitable to hospitable to other people. So uh, I think that's really cool that um, that you're wired that way. Um, but but that doesn't give me or, or anybody else a free pass that, that doesn't feel wired that way, just to kind of sit on my laurels and exactly not think through those things. I think
1: it goes back to Jesus's question of um, to to the lawyer who who. When he said, you know, he asked Jesus, Jesus, how do I fulfill the law? And Jesus says, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And and the scripture says that the lawyer wanted to justify himself. And so he kind of points back to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus comes back and, and basically says, your neighbor is who you encounter. Regardless of, of, of if they're in uh, you know, in, in the Jesus' context, he talked about the Samaritan. We know the story of the good Samaritan. Well the Samaritans were the enemies of the of, of the of the Jews. They were the enemies of the people of God. Yet Jesus says, Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is the Samaritan, and not only the Samaritan, the Samaritan is the just one in the story. And so uh, when we ask the age old uh, and then it goes also back to Genesis three, uh, G, you know, God asks Cain, you know, what have you done to your brother? And, and his, and he's, and he asks the similar question, who, who is my brother? You know, who is my neighbor? And I think the the, the resounding question is the whole world. You know, we're, we are all called to be in relationship, to learn, to seek, to know the other to a greater extent. And, 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 it's moving too from from this no, from from a novelty of actually you know, you know the the terser of getting to know somebody and that's great and wonderful and that's the first step, but it moves from seeing somebody as different, to seeing somebody as a unique human made in the very image of God that is just as much representing the very nature of God as I am and their ways of doing things, the way the things they value. Though there there is brokenness and sin in this world, but there is unique beauty in each cultural's values, that I believe as Christians we are called to, to not only discover but to exemplify and to and to hold and fight for the dignity and worth of that intrinsic thing, in in, in, in the world over. That's why you know that's why we as Christians, uh, we have to be for people, that are on the margins of society. We have to be for people that might not be, uh, you know, the, the most powerful or the wealthiest or, or the, you know, the most attractive demographic to, to engage with. We are called to be with people on the margins. That's, that's what somebody like Mother Teresa taught us, that they, they asked Mother Teresa, how can you continually minister among the poor and the dying? And Mother Teresa said as she was bending down to pick up, you know, a child who was literally dying of leprosy, she said she said what are you talking about i'm i'm ministering to jesus and i think there is a deep profound truth in that statement mm-hmm.
2: so, so I, I i really like everything that you said um i i think for me whenever i have approached the conversation of cross cultural ministry or or even just engaging with all any other type of culture, I've always kind of had it in my head as it's over there, it's it's outside of the country, it's it's overseas missions, it's it's that kind of stuff. But but something that that you said earlier about why you love Atlanta so much kind um, kind of struck me because I mean it's not just Atlanta. I mean here in Hattiesburg, we have all kinds of different cultures that that are living right next to each other and, and interacting and intersecting every day. Um, so bringing the cross cultural idea to next door rather than the next country, um, may be kind of a new concept, uh, for some folks. So, so what does it look like to really engage in ministry with our neighbors here from other cultures?
1: You know, honestly, it's. I encourage folks, especially for you. You know, you guys are your podcast theme is the other ninety nine. So you're talking to folks that are living their lives that are doing. You know, they're not like me. They're not a professional minister. They're not. I don't, they don't get the. I I, I call it a privilege. <laughs> Some might say differently. <laughs> they don't get the privilege of doing full time <laughs> ministry. Um, but what I I would say we don't we don't need to overthink it. It's not hard. You know, it's as simple as. If you get a chance to know the Starbucks barista or, you know, the person who uh, works at the supermarket or the gas station or the places that we engage with every day, because you're right, the diversity in the United States is changing so fast that there's people all over the world in our backyards and and just taking the time to ask them, to to ask them their names, ask them if they have children, to be mm-hmm. to to, to kind of release the fear that, that you're going to be offensive by inquiring of their life and by l- genuinely being curious about who they are. And, and, and you never know where that leads. Uh, t- I'm an alma mater of Asbury Seminary, and Tim Tennant uh, is the president. And Tim often tells the story about how in, in Massachusetts when he was uh, living there, they're one of the states that doesn't allow you to pump your gas. Um, so you have to so there's literally somebody that pumps your gas. it's It's a weirdest concept, but I guess Massachusetts and New Jersey do it. But anyway, so the guy that would pump his gas uh, was um, of, of Middle Eastern descent and and Dr. Tennant just would go to this intentionally go to the same gas station every time he needed to fill up, took him an extra three or four minutes, you know, maybe out of his way. But he would do that so that he could strike up a conversation with this guy and before he knew it, he had learned who he was. He had invited him over to his house for dinner. He was able to share the gospel with him and, and ultimately was able to pray with him. Um, I, I don't know if the man ever came to Christ, but we have prayer and hope that he does. But all of that was simply by Dr. Tennant being intentional about getting to know somebody. And he tells this wonderful story. It's sad, but wonderful at the same time about how the man came to his house and, and he was, you know, you know, most of us Americans coming over for dinner is not a, usually not a, a big ordeal. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like come and join in our family table, but this guy, this guy had never been invited to an American's house for dinner. And so he comes dressed in a three piece suit with his hair slicked back, totally dressed to the nines <laughs> for dinner at the tenant's house. And Tim said, he's like, man, I felt very underdressed for my own home. Um. <laughs> but that, 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 that it, it's, it's awesome because he, he did that but it's also sad to say that how many years had he been living in Massachusetts and had never even been in someone's home and, and I think little steps like that if we're intentional that God can use to minister to those that are not like us because they really they're all over there's a wonderful book by a missiologist who's actually pastoring in Birmingham Alabama right now a guy by the name of J.D. Payne He wrote a wonderful book called The Stranger Next Door. And in the book, he unpacks this idea that the majority nations of the world, the world the, the nations that we still send multiple cross-cultural ministers to to pre to, to share the gospel with those that have never heard, that the majority of those countries are now residing in the United States. And there's actually people that reside in the United States for college, for new jobs, whether or for other sad reasons like getting forced out of their countries that are living here that we could never get into as, as foreign cross-cultural missionaries. And Jesus saw fit to bring them to us. So what are we doing to show them the love of Jesus? Again, I live in Atlanta. Just outside of Atlanta is a city called Clarkston. it And it is considered the most diverse square mile in the United States of America. There's like some 90 nations represented in like one mile in Clarkston, Georgia. That's less than 20 miles from where i live and so how can we engage in, in showing those folks love hospitality um welcoming because many of them have come to our come to the united states for reasons that aren't positive they either had to they were forced to flee their homes how can we show them the love of jesus and and i think that's it, it can be as credibly simple as just being friendly it can be as in-depth as inviting someone over for dinner, um, but it doesn't have to be anything more than that. It doesn't have to be scary. I love, my mentor, Bob Tuttle, often says that 90% of ministry is simply showing up and paying attention. Mm-hmm. Are we living our lives in such a way that we're asking Jesus to, sh- to, to bring people into our everyday existence that we can show the love of Christ to? Because he will if we ask and we pay attention.
0: So you just talked about how easy it is to engage people who come from different backgrounds or different cultures than we do, and I feel like a lot of times we make excuses or make it harder than it needs to be, but what are some big obstacles that you see or have maybe encountered in crossing cultural boundaries or cultural borders? Yeah,
1: and they're definitely, I, 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 I want to I, I say that it is easy, but at the same time, there are simple things that um you know you you want to keep in mind especially when you're engaging someone with like you know an Islamic background or a Hindu background. Um, I, I think because there there is difference in culture and that that's what makes it beautiful. So that we are different, but that also makes it difficult because we're different. Um, but I think a really a safe way to go about bridging that gap of offending someone is simply just be intentional about asking, like. You know, if you're going to invite somebody over for dinner, ask them if they have dietary restrictions. You'll be surprised how at ease that would put a Muslim because then they know, oh, they're not going to feed me pork. Um, <laughs> or, if for that matter, a Hindu feeding them beef. So being intentional about, again, I think this comes back to what, what you said, Guy, about hospitality, just about trying to make other people mm-hmm. feel as welcome as possible. How can you do that? Um, I, I think asking questions in a sincere, loving manner, will take you so far in getting over offending someone. Because it's amazing if you think that someone cares about you, how you'll easily forgive them for offending you. But if you're on the defensive, if you think someone is exploiting you or doesn't care, well, then you're going to be a lot more inclined to be offended at something they've done. And so coming and getting to know someone with a genuine care and an inquisitive spirit where you're asking questions, you're seeking to understand, and you're seeking to not do something culturally inappropriate for them, I think that's critical. And I think that's that's as simple, that that will overcome the barrier of fear, I think, in a lot of ways. But it does require a sense of humility. And that's sadly something that I think that's lacking in a lot of our political discourses today in the United States when we talk about other cultures, is it is not, I hope our listeners can grasp this, it is not a sign of weakness To seek to understand the other and respect their cultural values. That is actually the ultimate example of Jesus to people. Because that's what Jesus did. He bent down. He got low. He became human to reach us. He accommodated us. And we as his followers are called to do the same. Now you can't take that too far. We're not talking about watering the gospel down and not believing the truth of the gospel. But there are things that we can do to help make the other person feel appreciated and valued and and accommodated um, for the sake of of showing Jesus. And it's not weakness. That's actually, in my mind, and I think the gospel would back this up, that's the ultimate strength.
0: Yeah, that's something I've definitely noticed in my life as well. Um, Recently... My husband and I were we were invited to go to a traditional Muslim Indian wedding, which was a really really cool experience. That's awesome. The whole time, like we were like the only white people there, so we we're like walking around, we we're like, okay, like, what do we do to not be offensive? And we just point blank asked whoever was around, we we're like, hey, what should we participate in? What's well, okay? And they were so excited that we were asking those yeah. questions. Were, like... You can do pretty much whatever. People are just going to dismiss it because you're the white person. <laughs> um, <laughs> but while you're here, like, here, let me explain all of the significance and all of the meaning behind this ceremony that they're performing right now. Or um, all these things that you see sitting on this table over here. Let me tell you all that. It. And it was just asking, like, hey, what's appropriate for me? Opened up the table for conversation for them to be able to share about themselves and about their culture. And we ended up learning a ton and having a great time in the process. So I think that's really great. Just asking those questions, opening up that conversation and coming in with an attitude of really wanting to learn.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's again, I think a genuine curiosity and care is, is, is the critical first step in a lot of ways that's going to give you a lot of mileage. Um, in, in any type of cross-cultural conversation, again, that could be cross-culturally with someone who is 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 not uh, native to the United States, or that could be that could be a minority community here in the United States. Why do people do what they do? Because they don't do it unintentionally, and and when we take the make the effort of 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 asking and caring, that is going to build a sense of uh, trust, which is critical in all of these types of conversations. Do I believe that the other person has my best interest at heart? Because if you can say yes, then I think genuine dialogue can happen. If you can't say yes, then no, dialogue's not going to happen. Uh, I, so I think the critical thing as Christ followers is to genuinely have the other's best interest at heart. Um, and, 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 I get, and I just believe the Holy Spirit and prevenient grace that, he, that, that God is just going to open up doors that we never thought possible. And we might find ourselves tripping into these scenarios that we just never, never would have guessed. I love the Bilbo Baggins quote from uh, Lord of the Rings where he says, you never know where you're going to end up when you leave your front door. And I promise if you wake up and seek to live your life in such a way where you are paying attention and asking Jesus to bring those people into your life, your your life will be incredibly exciting and you will n- you will be blown away by the places you will find yourself in life
2: you know i think i think this is yeah. going to be the 23rd episode that drops and uh i think that's our first lord of the rings reference
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: it, like a, wow
0: which with the three of us that, that is impressive really impressive
3: <laughs> wow I'm pretty. I'm pretty proud. I know this is taking it back way, way to the beginning of the interview, but but I'm pretty proud that we finally got some Latin on our podcast. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the thing that we were missing. And <laughs> I hope that was Latin when you quoted Tertullian, uh, Josh. <laughs> if it's Greek, I'm gonna feel like an idiot. It,
1: you, it, well, uh, it was Latin actually. So I was gonna say
3: if, if it was Greek, you can go back and edit it. Edit it where you like.
2: I'm glad we finally got some Greek on the project podcast. <laughs> right
0: right.
3: so um so what uh, i'm loving the conversation but but what if what if i'm in a place where i'm i'm not rubbing elbows with with other cultures in, in my day-to-day life they are how should i how how can i be reaching out to those who are different for, from me
1: Well, I think that 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 first off, I believe God has called us to be faithful where he's planted us. And so be faithful in your context, because though they may be culturally more similar, there are subgenres and different people groups, even within in, you know, within more uh, more closely related people groups. So there always is learning to appreciate the uniqueness and the and the the imprint of God on each individual person, The, the imago Dei, the image of God. And so I think that's a critical first step. And if you're faithful in that place, then I believe God will bring faithfulness. If your heart's desire is to engage cross-culturally, he will bring that about. And then also in some senses, I think it's a little bit like a treasure hunt. So if that's something you desire and if you don't see it in your immediate surroundings, take a drive. Go drive to a new town that's a few miles away and, you know, find people. <laughs> and then ask Jesus to open the doors. So I, I think that that's what I would say I would. But again, chiefly just to be faithful where you are um, and be faithful in learning to truly know the other people in your life and those in your immediate context. Um, one of the things that my good buddy Drew Causey and I talk a lot about is what does it mean to, to know your neighborhood? One of the things that he's been doing in some of his uh, doctoral research is he's been literally just walking around his neighborhood every evening for like 45 minutes, praying, but also just observing. Like, what are the things that my culture values in this neighborhood? One of the things he noticed is that everybody has a perfectly manicured lawn. What does that say about the people in your neighborhood? Or, you know, for instance, so only you know your neighborhood, but what are the things that your neighbors value? And how does God want to use that to minister to your community? Because so often we live such busy, fragmented lives. I'm beginning to think that Thomas Merton was onto something when he talked about how that when busyness is a great violence to our souls. And when you're busy, you miss the cultural uniqueness and the and the ways that God is moving right in front of our eyes because we're so busy doing things that we never take the time to stop and pay attention. So I would say walk around your neighborhood and ask God to reveal things. And and I think that will be faithfulness in that setting and and then who knows where where God's going to lead you next or what doors he's going to open. Um mm-hmm. So.
3: yeah yeah and and just in you saying that like we're all white on the podcast today and um uh my my neighborhood is a is a white neighborhood um but but the people in my neighborhood even though they're white like we're not i don't know how to say this we're not the same kind of white person (laughs) yeah um you know i mean there there are just you know some some differences but it, you know just because we we have the same skin color doesn't mean we're the same person and just or you know take, taking all the things that you said earlier about engaging with with other cultures and kind of you know what would that look like with with not just other people of different cultures but just different people period Yep. Um, you know, um pol- politically, you know, you brought up politics earlier. Politically, what would that look like? Cuz we may have differences in politics, socioeconomically. Yeah. Um, you know, what what would that look like? So, yeah. Uh, I like that. Yeah, what does
1: it mean what does it mean to seek to listen first and to talk second? Mm. Like I know mm. it's super cliche, but God made us with two ears and one mouth. Well, there's a lot of truth there. <laughs> <laughs> We say that to our kids, but we certainly don't model that well as adults, especially in current 21st century <laughs> North America. Yeah, true
2: facts.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so one of the things we like to do on this podcast, because, like you pointed out earlier, we're we are normal folks going about doing um, normal, normal, quote unquote, normal work, and and, and so we. We go out into, across uh, cultural borders every day. Like, I, th- I think about about my drive into work, um, and, and I'm taking a roundabout way to ask this question, so buckle up, let's go. Um, <laughs> I, I live, well, Hattiesburg is not really a big enough town to have suburbs, but, uh, well, at least from my point of view, having grown up in Atlanta... Um, but I live in the, the suburbs of Hattiesburg, shall we say? And so, but I work downtown. And so there's a huge shift in, in, in culture, um, between where I live and where I work. And so, yep. um, we like to, I uh, I, I bring that up just, just because this, this is something that I'm, I'm seeing more clearly through this conversation, but, but, um, we like to incorporate scripture into into stuff just because we we aren't these folks like like you that have the privilege of of, of being a professional, um, pastor, uh, but we're still ministers. But it, we like to bring in bring in scripture where we can to kind of um, undergird, I guess, uh, our our our, our thoughts. Um. Yeah. So, um. In in First Corinthians uh nine or as John Mark Comer would say, one Corinthians nine, uh Paul talks about um <laughs> how he has become all things to all people by all means uh that he may save some. So so for a lot of a lot of folks to to go into these situations in 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 and not be awkward like I was talking about a second ago to be able to to connect with and, and and reach these people, that comes easier for some people than others. Um. So, so sure, how
0: yeah.
2: how has your uh experience been relating to and and living this out? Um. As you've as you done it there in your in your neighborhood in, in Atlanta, um, or when you've gone overseas to do stuff,
1: again, I think it it, it partly comes back to to this idea of of, uh, of of having a genuine desire to do it, and I think that's something that God gives. But I think it's something that God gives to anyone and everyone who asks for it. Um, and so, I think to be all things to all people, it's not awkwardness or, or, you know, some social uh, faux pas or different cues that some people may or may not get. Yeah, you know, that's helpful. And and I know for me, like, one of the gifts that God has given me is the gift of evangelism. So it's very easy and natural for me to get to know people um, and to make people feel comfortable. But at the same time, I don't think that's a prerequisite. I think the prerequisite is something that's given to all of us, and that is just a genuine care for other people. Um. Do again, do I care about the other person's best interest? And I think this is deeply a, a, a theological question and a discipleship question. Um, I love Paul's words in, in Philippians 2 where, where he brings up this idea, you know, he's talking to the church and he's saying that, that the way that they're supposed to live their lives in relationship to others, and he says in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, he says, take, Paul says, take no thought for your life. Don't even worry about your life. Worry about the other person's life. And then he goes into verse 5, which he says, and have this mind in you and have this inner, and mind is a wrong translation. Most of our English translations say mind. But that wasn't what, what Paul was trying to trying uh, to to portray. He was saying basically have your inner guts, like every, the the things that make you you, have that same substance as that of Jesus who laid his life down for other people. So what does it mean for us Christians to live our life in such a way that we genuinely are considering the needs of other people before we consider our own needs, what does that look like in our marriages? What does that look like with our kids? What does that look like with our coworkers, our neighbors, the people who give us coffee at Starbucks or buy or, or, or pay for our, or check out our groceries at Publix or Kroger? What does it look like to care about their needs, to place their needs? above your own how does that influence your politics how does that influence your job performance how does that influence everything that we do and i'm not saying that that's easy because i don't know about you guys but i really like preferring my needs i really like meeting my (laughs) needs because i'm selfish but (laughs) yeah and i I think intrinsically most of us probably are um but Mm -hmm. the gospel calls us to follow jesus who is continually laying down his life for the other. And I think that this is, and it comes down to chiefly a trusting of God question. Because I love to, to, to play with Philippians 2 and, and Paul saying, don't consider the needs of others, or don't consider your own needs, consider the needs of others. I like to play with that with Jesus' words in Matthew 6 where he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. The birds don't even worry about that. Does not your heavenly Father know the needs you have? And is he not going to take care of them? So if we as Christians live our lives in such a way where we're looking to the needs of other people first, we have faith and assurance that God is going to take care of our needs. And that's where it's a faith issue. It's a trust issue. Do we actually believe that God is going to take care of us If we seek to follow him by loving others more than we love ourselves, by truly taking up our cross and following Jesus. And that's a daily endeavor. That's a that's where I'm in a place in my faith formation where like God is all about like getting into my crawl and into the dirty details. Like God will be like, hey, I don't even like the way you're thinking right now. And I'm like, God, that's a little invasive. That's my thoughts. But he doesn't care because he's like all up in my grill talking and and, call and 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 challenging me to change even the way I think so that I am considering other people before I consider my own. And that's hard because we live in a society that doesn't value that but that doesn't change the, the, the Christ mandate and the call of the gospel to live that way. And so in even in our, our quote-unquote awkwardness, and, and again, it could be my personality, but I've rarely met super awkward people. Most of the time, I find them to be quite novel and, and, and interesting. <laughs> um, so even in the midst of that, I think that that we could still show the genuine care of Christ, and that is going to transcend every cultural boundary. Because... When we really love like Jesus, that is what's going to transform the world. That is what's going to transform
3: people. So transitioning to uh, just a few quick sort of practical questions, not not that anything that we've been talking about so far hasn't been practical, but but maybe just kind of to give people an an inroad into living this out in their life. What's, What's Baby Step? Um, and maybe some of us need more than a baby step, but w- but what's a baby step to, to start to leave our comfort zones behind? What um, are some baby steps, or just some some steps that we can take?
1: I'll give you I'll give you three simple, super simple ones: sit in your front porch, not your backyard.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Take a walk once a week, and just if you see a neighbor that you've never talked to, or one you've talked to every week, strike up a conversation. And intentionally engage in the people that you encounter every day, whether it be at the gas station at, at the supermarket at the coffee shop at the tire changing place or at your job, just be intentional and, and, and ask, make it, make it a game. Say, Hey, you know what? I want to learn one new fact about that person today and do that every week. And I, and I think that is, that is, you know, you said baby, someone said baby steps earlier. I think they said baby sex, or maybe I just really like uh, Bill Murray. We'll but I think baby that steps. baby steps from uh, <laughs> from uh, um, what about Bob? I think that that's a baby step. That's simple. Make it a game. One new fact every week about a person, and 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 I think mm-hmm. being that level of intentionality that God is going to honor that and He's going to bless that and He's going to open doors, and you're going to find yourself in places where you just never never thought He would take you there. Um, I don't think it's complex. I really think it's just being intentional about. Building relationships with people and and, and and people of all sorts, whether they're in your subculture or whether they're not, get to know people and and, and, and ask Jesus to open doors because he he desires to minister to people more than we do, and he desires to use us more than we desire to be used it, 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 I, again, I find that just that just being intentional is going is, is God is going to use that in mighty, mighty powerful ways mm-hmm. um because we are each one of us, no matter where we find ourselves in our faith journey, are uniquely positioned by God to minister to people that only we can minister to. To share Jesus with people that only we can share Jesus to with. Hmm. So are we going to are we are we going to take that opportunity? Um. Yeah.
2: But I think that's going to bring us into the station. What station? The recommendation station. That is right. Um, We are going to close out this episode like we do every other one with recommendations, uh, be it on topic or random. Um, So unfortunately, my name is on top of the list. However, I'm doing the
3: intro, so I get to choose Guy. Guy. What
2: is your recommendation yeah. this week?
3: <laughs> yeah, um, my recommendation. Um, I'm uh, getting to fulfill um, a lifelong dream for the second time in my life. I'm I'm getting to go see U2 this Friday. Of course, it's U2. Nice.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. So they're doing they're doing this tour now to celebrate the the 20th anniversary. No, the thir- 30th anniversary of uh, their their masterpiece album, The Joshua Tree, uh, great, so, one of the greatest uh, rock and roll albums
1: that, yeah. ever created. Mm-hmm.
3: So, so that's my uh, that's my recommendation is is that album really great, um, really good stuff. Oh,
1: that's <laughs> fantastic! Fantastic. I got one for our music connoisseurs. So, there's this new band uh, from Brooklyn that I've been listening to. Their record just their new record just dropped on Friday. Um, they're a band called Big Thief, and the record is called Capacity. And uh, the lead singer, is uh, her name's Adriana Lechner, and she is this angsty, super emo, like, 20-something-year-old female who grew up in Minnesota in a really weird cult, cult-like <laughs> family. Her story's nuts, if you Google it. But, like, the music and the angst and the passion to which she sings and writes from, record's amazing whole totally recommend it. <laughs> For those of it may not be everybody's love of music, but this stuff is good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. Um and Josh, earlier you shared about a book. This is a little more on topic, um, but it was from the guy in Birmingham, something about like the stranger yeah, next J- door. Am I yep, that JD right? Payne's
1: book, Stranger Next Door. It's super accessible, easy to read. Um, the, the, towards the back half of the book, he's going to get into some demographic stuff. So that might not be as helpful, but it's a good resource. Mm-hmm. But the first few chapters are really just about like how am- the United States is changing and how God is so fit to bring the world to us and how we can take uh, we can take that opportunity and, and be mi- and be his ministers everywhere, everywhere we go in our lives. And I think it's a really, really good book. I would I would highly recommend it. You could follow him on Twitter. He's got a real active Twitter presence. It's, I think it's just at J.D. Payne. Um, and he's also, uh, you see, he does a lot of stuff that's for free on the internet on his website. So I highly recommend JD. He's a good guy.
0: Awesome. That sounds like a really great resource. I'll definitely need to be checking that out. Um, my recommendation for this episode is not really related. Um, I mean, like it kind of is in the sense of like mission and serving others and that kind of stuff, but not necessarily with cross cultural um relationships but um i learned this week that the majority of people who need bone marrow is it transplant is that the right word um donations you need to be recipients of bone marrow donations their family members are not eligible donors Hmm. for them um so there is a ministry called be the match um, you can find them at be the and you can sign up to be a bone marrow donor and it's free to sign up really easy. All you need, like they'll send you like a saliva swab kit and you mail it back to them and they can, for the most part, tell through that if you're going to be a match, they might need to call you and get some additional blood work if they think they have someone, um, but super easy to sign up. I've always been a huge advocate for being an organ donor, but never really thought about bone marrow. Um, and that's something you can still do like while you're alive. <laughs> um, I mean, some organ donations you can too. But it's just a very practical way to take what you've been given and bless somebody else in a way that will change their life. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: All right, I'll I'll finish this out because while y'all were talking, I came up with one. So that's that's good. That was my whole reason and not going first was it was just a stall tactic. Um, so I want to recommend um, "Unlikely" by Kevin Palau. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs>
3: so, I forgot about that book, and it's so I did too good. up
2: until up until. Um, the Josh's second second uh, recommendation there um, when I thought about it. It is uh, by Reese Palau's son, Kevin Palau, uh, and it uh, talks about the partnership of the churches in Portland, Oregon, with the local government in uh, improving the... just everything about Portland from education to parks and you know everything else about the city it, it, it's oh man i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher some some bible here um but uh oh what's the prophet that talks about when they're in babylon just is it uh jeremiah
3: S- what about say, yeah that? say more
2: since you're in babylon work for the good of babylon
1: that's Jeremiah. Ah. Yeah. Jeremiah. Yeah. That's Jeremiah, that Jeremiah twenty nine. Okay,
0: <laughs> yeah. It okay. Is.
2: Yes. So it, it's embodiment of that in the twenty first century. Um, of Portland is is labeled like one of the most progressive towns in the or cities in in, in the nation. And um, when you think of a strong presence of of church led community work you wouldn't necessarily think of portland as the like ground zero for a lot of that but there's some incredible stuff going on in portland and and this what two weeks ago we had an election here in or that was last week we had an election here in hattiesburg elected a new mayor um and one of the things that the guy that is coming in is talking about is is having these these uh meetings in each one of the um geographical areas of the city there's like 10 of them um to hear what the needs of that particular neighborhood is and um something that has kind of been rolling around the back of my head is this is an excellent opportunity for the church to move in places where they're not already um, moving. God's moving, but we just haven't caught up yet. Uh, And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to the church partnering with our city, hopefully going forward, but unlikely is a fantastic book about, and, and shoot, you've got cultural borders being crossed all over the place in that book. So Absolutely. Uh,
1: check it out. Absolutely. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah,
3: yeah it's really good. Um, before we go, Josh, do, do you have anything else that, that you'd like to share with us? Um, and, and definitely, you know, we, we'd love for, you know, to, if you want to throw out your Twitter handle for, for other people to um, – check you out but do you have anything else you want to say before we close out
1: no i'd like to say first off thanks for having me all this has been a lot of fun um and for the listeners you know just ask god to give you the boldness to make the first step and i think that uh i think that you will um so just be bold uh be courageous and don't fear you know uh mm-hmm. jesus will give you the the opportunity and the words to say uh, I love that passage where just says, don't worry about when you stand before people, what you're going to say, because the Holy Spirit will give us the words, um, because that's who he is, and he's a good, faithful God. Um, so yeah, so be bold, be courageous. Um, for our folks, uh, if, if you're interested a little bit more, I do a little bit of writing, not nearly as much as I should, but uh, <laughs> you could check out my blog at <laughs> trinitarianmission.com, and uh, my Twitter handle is at uh, Joshua Tepper, so just my full name. And, um, yeah, uh, I'd love for anyone to have thoughts or if you find yourself, uh, you know, I'd love to hear some stories about ministering to people because that would be uh, that would be that would be really encouraging.
2: By the way, Tepper is not spelled phonetically. We'll have a link to that well, in the uh, <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it's good old German pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, hey, um, that's our episode, and we hope that you've enjoyed our, our conversation with with Josh Tepper today. Um, if you have any questions or feedback um, or ideas for other episodes, other topics to talk about, people to interview, we'd love for you to to hit us up on our uh, social media, <laughs> as, as David so uh, finally calls them. Um, uh, on Facebook we're at the other 99 uh, We also have a Facebook group now uh, the other 99 podcast community be, be sure to go into both of those. Um, Twitter and Instagram we're at at the other 99 pod and um, our email is the other 99 podcast at gmail.com We'd love to hear from you. Um, we'll have an episode out in another two weeks and uh, we hope you enjoy the week ahead. Thank y'all. Bye. I really Bye. need to go through and streamline our uh, our social
2: media handles.